Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hey, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together to worship you today. We ask now that as we open your word that you would prepare our hearts to hear, uh, not from the words of man, but from your spirit as you uh, speak to us. Uh, Give us a willingness to set aside our pride and the things that we hold so dearly to, Lord, and fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. So uh, do what only you can do as we uh, watch our screens, as we meet together as families, as we worship the King of Kings. Give us ears to hear your words, minds to be able to comprehend. But then, Lord, would you give us the faith to live these things out for the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is great to uh, be together and to be able to open God's Word. I, too, want to add what others have said with a a happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers who are out there. Um, I am personally blessed to have a godly heritage. I'm personally blessed to have a mom who prayed for me every day, and I'm so thankful for that. But I also realize that there are those of you who are watching who maybe don't have some of those advantages I had. And uh, I would say this to you, if you're a mother and didn't have those things, you can be the one who starts that godly chain right now in your family. You can do uh, your part as you uh, serve the Lord Jesus Christ in how you serve your family. Well, today we're going to be taking a look at Psalm 133. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's get them opened up. We, we're taking a look at a message on the topic of a church unity. Um, unity, it, it's not lost on me that we are having a series that's called Church Together. It's almost humorous. We have a series called Church Together, and there's like virtually nobody in the room. And, uh, but it also reminds me that the church is more than just when we get together. I do believe that's important. I believe we need to be together. I believe fellowship is an incredible part of the Christian experience. Uh, but the church isn't us sitting in a room. And, uh, and so as we've gone through this series, Church Together, while we're sitting in our homes, it is in some ways humorous. At the same time, uh, maybe it'll help us to get focused on uh, some of the things that uh, we need to hear from God's Word. This is the fourth message in that series. The uh, first one was on purposeful discipleship. A church that is a church together is focused in purposeful discipleship, seeing people trained up, prepared to be used, prepared to serve, prepared to go and serve Christ in the world, purposeful discipleship. And then we talked about passionate worship. And uh, what does our worship look like? Do we just turn it on on Sunday for an hour? Or are we worshipers through the week? Do we spend time every day um, before the Lord or singing songs or when we're in our car? Are are we people who are passionate about worshiping the one who who gave his life so we could have eternal life? Last week, uh, Pastor Earl was here and spoke on, on fervent prayer. Um, why would we expect God to do anything if we're not on our faces before him, crying out to him and crying out to him? And we learned about the unjust judge, but realized that our judge so much more. God desires that we come to him. We learned about fervent prayer. And today we want to talk about church unity. I call it, narrow it down even a little bit more, powerful unity. Powerful unity in the church. Well, I'm the fourth of five kids in our family. And uh, 
There were lots of times when um, we would be in our home and you would hear words like this, especially if my brother and I would hear them. We were next to each other. It'd be like, can't you two just get along? Can't you get along? In, in some ways, my mom, would she would say that because she was home with us the most. She would, she would say that. It was, it was really a cry for unity. It was a cry that we would come together. It's, it's a cry that, that we would just stop all the bickering and stop all the craziness that's going on about nothing that's important. And can't you just get along? Um, unity in the church is more than just getting along, but it is about that. It's about what God's called us to together and how we can be used to, to uh, send out the gospel, how we can be used to build one another up as we do that in this sense of unity. Um, our text is Psalm 133, and before I read it, just a couple of comments about the Psalms. These, these Psalms are called the Psalms of Ascent, um, Psalm 120 to 134. They're called the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, four of these songs are attributed to King David, Psalm 20, 122, 124, 131, 133. Those are psalms that are attributed to David. And so one of these we're going to look at today is David's psalm. Um, psalm 127 is attributed to Solomon, and the other ones are anonymous psalms. We don't know who they are, but they're psalms of ascent. You say, well, why is that important? Well, here's what a psalm of ascent was. When, when families were going up to Jerusalem uh, for the festivals, going there to worship, there were certain songs that they sang along the way. And this song is one of those songs. And so it could be like you're on your way to church on Sunday morning. Uh, what are you singing? Probably if you have young kids in the back of the car, I don't know what you're listening to anymore. But, but they, they, as they traveled, they tried to get their minds focused on what they were going to and what was going to be coming. And so we have these Psalms of Ascent called the Psalm of Ascent because Jerusalem was on the hill. And as you're making your way up to Jerusalem, you would sing these songs. And so Psalm 133 is one of those songs that they would sing. And here's what it says. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. So for emphasis, let me just take out those two, the two verses in the middle where the words like is used, because that's an explanation, and we'll come to that. But read it this way. I behold, or behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. For there, the last part of the time, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. So we want to talk about powerful unity in church unity. Uh, here's the big idea for today. If you want to experience God's blessing, it's found in unity. If you want to experience God's blessing, it's found in unity. The, the chapter starts out, this psalm starts out with the word behold. It's there so we take note of it. It's there to get our attention. So as they would be singing this, this, this behold was there so that they would get focused on what they, were about, uh, what they were about to sing. Let's take note. Don't miss this is what the psalmist is saying. 
So here's a number of things we want to take a look at today. Here's the first thing. Unity understood. What is unity? What does it mean to be unified? You're going to have on your screen this, this definition or explanation. Unity comes. Unity comes when God's people have in common the same beliefs and desires working toward a common goal. Say that again. Unity comes when God's people have in common the same beliefs and desires working toward a common goal. Uh, The next statement on your screen is a statement of purpose for our church. To glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commission in the spirit of of the great commandment. That's the thing that unifies us. That's the thing that brings us together. Here's an interesting thing in that verse. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Another word you could put in there, just equally true, is when brothers dwell together. When brothers dwell together. Um, Ephesians 4, 1 says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I urge you to walk in a manner, a serving together in the way that you have been called. So what are some of the together things that make up that unity that would be in our statement to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment? Here's, here's a few things. What are the things that would bring us together? Here's one, the gospel. The gospel brings us together. Uh, The root of our salvation. Um, We're we're not in the room together. If we were in the room together, you would see the United Nations in our room. People from all over the world coming together. There's only one reason why God would ever bring our church together like that, and that's because of the gospel. It's because of our salvation in Jesus Christ. And so when we struggle, when we wrestle, when we... So when my brother and I would fight, at the end of the day, we were still brothers. And so when there's derision or struggle or whatever, we're we're still brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And so why? Well, because of the gospel, because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of what he accomplished for us. Um, I, I say it all the time, every day, help me, God, to live out of the truth of the gospel, to live out of what God has accomplished for us in the sacrifice, sacrificial giving of his son, what he did in surrendering his life, what he did hanging on a cross, what he did in being buried, in rising again, in making intercession on, on, on our behalf before God so that we can have the hope of eternal life. Hey, when we get bickering about things. Let's remember the work of Jesus Christ that brings us together in our salvation. That's our hope. That's what we lean on. And if you've never trusted Christ, that's the root of everything we have in Christ. It's that day when I came and understood my sin and that I was separated from God and I trusted Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If you come to the place of I'm a sinner, I'm separated from God, I need a Savior, his name is Jesus, I'm trusting him today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, the Bible says. It's one of the foundational, it is the foundational piece of our together, the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Some of the other things that bring us together are our beliefs or what we believe, our our statements about what we believe about this book and what we believe about the work of the Holy Spirit and and what we believe about um, um, the uh, ordinances of of, uh, communion and baptism. And and, and those are things, we we believe those, we hold those very dearly. Those are things that shouldn't be divisive amongst us. Those are the things that bring us together, the what we believe And there are things that are number one level things. There are things that are number two level things. There are things that are number three level things. There are things that you stand for and you don't wiggle on. And there are other things that we just love each other because we don't have to hold the same views of all of those things exactly the same way. But what we believe is a foundational piece of how we have unity in the church we also talked about purpose, our purpose statement of the church. It's, it's what brings us together in a unity. It's what we value in life. It's what brings us together in, in this unity. So we need to understand that unity is important. We need to understand there are things that bring us together. Um, so we understand unity. When we don't have them, we need to strive for them. We need to work for them. We need to fight for them. We need to desire unity in these things in the body of Jesus Christ. That's unity understood. But I want you to see what comes out of that is unity's blessing. Unity's blessing. It's right. It's found right in the word. It, it's right in the verse. It says, uh, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Unity's blessing is it is good and it is pleasant. Um, lots of things in our life are good that are not pleasant. You need them. They're good for you, but they're not necessarily pleasant. Um, Learning discipline. um, It's good, but it's not always pleasant. Um, Being disciplined. um, uh, Hebrews talks about the, 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 the discipline of the Lord. It's good, but it's not always pleasant. Um, learning hard work. It's good, but it's not always pleasant. That's why it's called work and not called pleasure. Uh, facing disappointments in our lives, uh, facing trials in our lives, facing failures in our lives. Uh, those things are and can be very good for us, but they're not always pleasant. Uh, tests that come back from a doctor, uh, they, they, they come to us and we always don't always hear what we want to hear. It's good to know. It's good so that we can move forward. Um, even affliction and hard times that come on us. We go through this series as we go through a pandemic in, in our society and the, the situation we live in, the, uh, the afflictions of those things. Um, there's a lot of good things that have happened. I've, I've heard couples say like, we're closer than we've ever been before. It's been good for our family to have these things. And, but in the next blast, it's like, but it's not always pleasant, right? Lots of things are good, and are not pleasant. Psalm 119.71 said, it is good for me that I was afflicted. Why? That I might learn your statute. So everything that's good isn't pleasant. Everything that's pleasant is not necessarily good. Um, everything that's pleasant is not necessarily good. Uh, Sue and I were talking about this as I was preparing the message, and I thought about ice cream. Um, she thought about chocolate. Um, it's pleasant, but not necessarily good. Now, don't send me emails going, I think ice cream's wonderful and all the rest. You've just lost your mind. Um, it, it's pleasant. I enjoy it, but it's not necessarily good for me. And certainly too much of it is not good for me. Um, maybe um, I, I, I'm, I'm getting lazy and, and it feels good. It feels good to lay in bed. I don't have to get up in the morning. I don't have a big agenda. And, and it, can feel, it can feel 
pleasant, but it's not good for you. Um, leisure, it can feel pleasant, but if your leisure is keeping you from doing the things God would have you to do, it's not, it's not good for you. Um, here's one more. Sin, sin can feel good, does feel good. It can feel pleasant, but it's not good. In Hebrews eleven twenty four to 26, it says, By faith Moses, when he was growing up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God, choosing that, um, the people of God, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ of greater wealth than the treasures of Europe, excuse me, of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Some things are good, they're not pleasant. Some things are pleasant that are, are not good. But when unity is described in this psalm, it's described as being both of those things. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Um, there's a blessing that comes. It's good and it's pleasant. But unity has a foundation. We see that in the text as well. Unity's foundation is found in faith and in family. Look at verse 1 again. Behold how good and pleasant it is when what? When brothers dwell in unity. When brothers or sisters dwell in unity. The words well, or excuse me, when and dwell are, are key here. Um, it's not to be assumed that unity just happens. Unity comes as a result of effort and work. It, it's good and pleasant when, when they do, when brothers, when they dwell um, in unity. It's not guaranteed. It won't always be like we want it to be. Um, scripture's filled with illustrations of people who didn't dwell in unity. Um, Cain killed Abel. Lot quarreled with Abraham. Joseph was sold by his brothers. Miriam and Aaron were critical of Moses. David's children turned on him. Disciples fought over who would be greater. Paul and Barnabas parted ways over John Mark. The church began in unity in the book of Acts, but not too long afterwards, you have Paul writing to the Corinthians about their divisions. In Philippians chapter 4, uh, Paul says this, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Unity is hard work. Unity needs to be battled for. Um, Paul instructs us in, in, Mar in Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Unity is good and it's pleasant when brothers dwell together in this unity. Um, the word brothers and sisters, that's the word brother is important here. Um, brothers, the common faith or, or in a common family. Uh, that's the unity we have. You won't have unity when uh, people come into a church. And I, I heard a story uh, last week. Somebody told me this happening in their church. Um, they were doing a, co a committee about outreach and moving forward. And they were um, putting together a committee 
to do that. And, and they wanted to make sure it was representative of the church as the church sets forth its priorities moving forward. And they were putting um, some non-Christians on to the committee, a committee on what the church is going to do moving forward. And I'm thinking, what? You're never going to have unity on that. Because if you're going to do what God calls you to do, you have people in the room who are technically enemies. There's no way they're going to be one for that, right? Um, th- so this brothers, this, this family that we have, this family together, this family of common faith is so critical for us. And so that's who we're talking about. We're not talking about people who are in the church who are being disobedient. You're not going to have unity about that. You're not going to have unity with people who aren't in Christ. They're facing the biggest decision of their life, needing to come to the place of understanding, I'm being rejected by God unless I trust Jesus Christ today. Um, here's a few verses I hope will help you. You can jot these down. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, what? that all of you agree there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Romans 12.4 and 5 says, For as one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body and Christ, and individually members one of another. I'll give you two more verses. Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The church of Jesus Christ is to strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's our unity. John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Why? Just as I loved you, you're to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so we have this challenge. We have this reality. There are lots of illustrations in Scripture where unity didn't happen, but we have this reality that we are called to unity as the church. It's not impossible, but it's going to be a journey. It's going to require a lot of grace and a God of love, a lot of love and a lot of submitting ourselves and coming under. Um, There are lots of opportunities for the church, just like the individuals in the Bible, to fall into disunity. Um, I see it as I talk with other churches, especially around the area of the pandemic and the disunity that's happening as a result of that. You have your mask people and your not mask people. You have your vaccine people and your not vaccine people. And, and it's creating a disunity in the church over things that shouldn't be dividing the church. I'm thankful that in our church, we don't have a lot of that. We've got people who have strong opinions, but we're willing to serve one another and love one another. And there's a good unity of that. Let me tell you, I would way rather have people in the room than like a, there's hardly anybody here, just the worship team, basically. And and it's not the way I want it, but I'm not going to divide the church over that. We still can open God's word. We can still preach God's word. We can still be faithful to the things God's called us to. I'm not going to divide about those things. Some people get, they're, they're all, all tied up in a knot about music or 
the way people use electronics or people sometimes are jockeying for position in a church and it creates disunity or there can be division over leadership and and disunity can happen, but it's not what God desires for us. He desires for us to be focused for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world is watching. They're looking at us and they want to see us in a unity. You might say, well, aren't there times? Aren't there times when you, you have to limit the unity? Yeah, there are. There are. There are some things that can and should limit our unity. Um, scripturally, we are to separate from um, br- professed brothers or sisters who live in persistent, unrepentant sin. You can't be in unity with those people. You can't. You, it's just not even possible. And so you need to make your stand and you need to do, but you still need to love them. You still need to care for them. You still need to uh, hope the best for them. You still need to pray for them, but you're not in unity with them. To, to pretend you're in unity is, is just a false a dichotomy that's out there that people look at and they go, you, you, you say this thing about unity, but there isn't unity. Um, and sometimes there can't be. Persistent and unrepentant sin breaks down unity. False teaching breaks down unity. When someone is teaching what God's word doesn't say or is adding to it or is taking away from it, you can't be in unity with that person. Romans 16, 17 says, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. So we have this goal, we have this desire to be united around our Savior Jesus Christ and around the common things that we believe, around our purpose around the things that we value, but we don't have unity when it comes to unrepentant sin. And we don't have unity when it comes to the misuse or the the turning away from God's word. But setting those things aside, God, help us to have a love and a passion and a caring for each other in unity. I love the verses in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. It says, two are better than one. Because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The, the word of God calls us to unity. So as you hear this message, as you listen today, what's the struggle of this text for you? What's the challenge for you? What are you going to do as a result of hearing these things? Get your eyes fixed on the things that are important. Let's be about those things. Let's be excited about those things. Let's move forward with those things for the glory of God. Well, the psalmist goes on and he paints two pictures. And I've, got, I've written this and called this unity described. Um, two pictures that he gives us. Uh, look at uh, verses 2 and the first part of verse 3. Um, this togetherness, this unity, it's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, um, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of the robe. That's one picture. And he says, it is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountain of Zion. Um, The imagery of Psalm 133 is of 
blessing and goodness coming down. Uh, Both of those are pictures of things that come down. Ultimately, coming down means this is coming from the Lord. This togetherness this have, this unity that we have, it comes as God works in us. Um, We see a horizontal picture of unity of us getting along with each other together, and that's for sure true, but it's only possible when there's a coming down part, when, when God is at work in the church, when God is leading and directing, when God is in control. And he gives these two pictures, uh, unity coming down. Uh, Picture one is a picture of anointing and uh, not something that we see very much, not something that we do very much, but, and it was the anointing of Aaron. The anointing of oil in scripture is a picture of the Holy Spirit on us. And so you have Aaron who was the high priest or any priest when they'd be anointed, they would take oil and they would pour it on their head. And, you know, for us, it's like, ooh, that's gross. And for them, it was amazing. They're being set apart and the oil wasn't like 10W30 that you put in your car. Okay, it was it was oil. It was pure oil. They probably had scenting, put scent in it. It smelled good and all the rest. And, and it was a picture of the Holy Spirit coming down on Aaron in this picture. And it runs down. It runs down on his beard. Some some believe it run down even down to, to the bottom of your feet. This oil was poured on you because it was a picture of what happens when God's Spirit is on us. And and it's used as a picture of unity. It's a picture of God's Spirit. It's like. What happened to Aaron? When we are together, it's like God's spirit. It's not like it is. God's spirit is poured down on us. Do you want that in your life? Do you want that for our church? God's spirit poured down on us. It's a messy picture because we don't understand it in 2021, but it's a beautiful picture of God's pouring himself out on us in his spirit. That's, that's picture one. That's a picture of the anointing. The, the second picture is the picture of the dew. Um, it's like the precious oil. And then in verse three, it's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. There's some hyperbole going on here because the mountains of Hermon were way up in the north. And uh, the, um, the mountains we're talking about now, when, when they're marching on their way up to Jerusalem, are a long way away. But the mountains in Hermon, a unique thing, a unique situation would be there. The, the dew would be so heavy on the ground, it would literally water the plants. Um, it wasn't rain, it was dew. And so the unity that happens in the church is like the dew that happens in Hermon that comes down onto the plants and it makes everything green. Without the dew, things are shriveled up and they die. But unity gives life to the church. Unity gives life in our walk. Unity in Christ puts quote unquote, windy in our sails to serve the Lord when we're in disunity, that sucking sound of the air being drawn out. And it's like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Getting our eyes fixed on what God's called us to and being about to serve the Lord, to move forward with passion for the glory of Jesus Christ. I I love the two pictures, the picture of the spirit of God coming down. That's our only hope, God's spirit working in us, right? That's our hope of glory and this picture of, of watering and refreshing and growing and things turning green and developing and the fruit that comes from them. These are the pictures that are used. Um, that's what unity is like. And that's what it will be for us and is for us when we, as brothers, seek to live and dwell in, in unity. Um, and then there's one more thing. Here's unity's hope. Unity's hope. It's found in the last part of verse 3. For there, 
The Lord has commanded the blessing. Life evermore. Lots of promises in scriptures. Now here's a cool one. When you live in unity, when you desire unity, when that's what you are going for, when you're a brother or a sister in Christ who who dwells, who goes after this, for the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So where's the disunity in your life today? Where is the troubling things as you hear this message? Where is the lack of unity? Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to confess to? Who do you need to make things right with because you have been so arrogant in yourself and what you wanted and what you desired and it's like, what, what are we fighting about this for? We need, we need to be about the word of God. We need to be about salvation. We need to be about what God's called us to. God, help me to be that. Why? Why? Because that's where the blessing is. That's where the blessing is promised. And in this blessing, there's this promise of life forevermore. Psalm 23 finishes with, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That God's given us this blessing for us when we live together in unity. God, help us to do that. Well, so what? So what? Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. How about this? The flip side. How sad and tragic it is when brothers choose disunity. See, the unity of the church reflects the unity of the Godhead. It's a picture of Jesus Christ and the work of the Father the unity of the church has lots of aspects to it. It, 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 it shows its experience as, as, as Christ the Lord demonstrated in one, one baptism and, and in our communion together. The shared sense of mission, the shared concern for one another, the same love, the shared experience of even suffering for Jesus Christ. Romans twelve eighteen says, if possible, if in any way it's possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And Jesus not only prayed for unity, but he gave the reason that Christian unity is important. So just before Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus prayed for unity. John 17, 21 says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, picture of the Godhead, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Why? Ready? So that the world may know that you have sent me. This is so important for us as the church. Why? Because it's the way Jesus said when he prayed to the Father that the world may know that you have sent me. John 17, 23, two verses later says, I in them you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Now let those verses sink in as to why unity in the body of Jesus Christ is so critical. 
I wrote this down. When Christians are united in Christ, the world sees two things clearly. Jesus was sent by the Father, and Jesus loves his church. And people will not be able to miss that. They will, they'll come, they'll be invited, they'll hear your stories, they'll, and they'll go, my goodness, that's so not the way the world is. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. There's another reason for unity. Romans 15, 5 and 6 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The bottom line of God's glory God's people should be speaking with one voice to glorify our Savior. Church together in unity. Not a, not a perfect church. Not, not a church that won't have its moments. Not a, not, they're all over Scripture. That's what I love about Scripture. It's so obvious and so clear. But these things God has given to us. Why? So that, we, that people will see Jesus Christ and how he makes the difference. And in unity, we will bring glory to God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this text. Thank you for these words that were written, how good and pleasant it is. God, for you, as you watch us and you see us, it's good and pleasant when we dwell in unity. God, give us unity around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give us unity about the things we believe. Give us unity, Lord, about about the purpose that we have, the things that we value. Guard our hearts, God, from being divisive over things that don't really matter. But Lord, give us strength to stand firm for what does. Father, I pray that you would do that work in my heart. You do that work in our heart. You do that work in our church for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ for the working of the gospel through us in our communities, in our families, in our world. Oh God, do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.